Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Monash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from the Central Valley in California. Welcome to the show, George Provante. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, great to have you here. Now, you are focused on farmland specifically, and you're focused in the Central Valley. I'm very keen to have this conversation because there's so many different aspects that we could go deep on. But maybe before we do, give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey. Okay. Thank you, Victor. I've got kind of a crazy story in a way. I grew up in the New York area. I went to college at the University of South Carolina and studied accounting, graduated, went to work for the Big A moved to Newport Beach, California with Ernst & Young. And we developed a real estate practice as a real estate practice in the early 80s, which was a new phenomenon. Everybody just kind of in those days, just they had people doing all, everything, no specialty. Two years later, I went to be the, the CFO for RMB Realty in Los Angeles, which was an offshoot of the Robert M. Bass Group, the billionaire brothers from Fort Worth, Texas. And over five or six years, we sold Donald Trump the Plaza Hotel in New York. We bought American Savings, which I led the bad bank there and liquidated $20 billion worth of assets, mainly apartments and office. And that, and that kind of turned into Colony Capital in Los Angeles. That was one of the offshoots. TPG was the, or Texas Pacific Group was the LBO side of the business, private equity. Colony was the private equity arm for real estate. Both companies became 60, 70 billion in assets. At that moment in time, I got married, had children, and did not want to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I joined a high net worth family in Newport Beach, California, and formed my own small private equity business. We were in the early 90s. It was like shooting fish in a barrel, but we did really well buying all different kinds of property types in Southern California. At that moment, you know, we were living in Newport Beach. Kobe Bryant and a bunch of oligarchs lived on our street. My wife and I didn't like that and decided we would move back to Napa Valley to where we had built a winery there years before. And on the way, we were in the mobile home business back then. We were buying mobile home parks. And we had a relationship with a, with a big financial company called AEW Capital in Boston. And you know we got a $50 million commitment. We're buying mobile home parks. And then we had the lame idea of getting in the retailing side of it. So we buy the parks and then we sell the houses into the park. So the biggest dealer in the, in the West was in Visalia, California. We bought this big retailer there. And I said, I'll go there for a year and just because we're leaving town anyway and just make sure the acquisition goes through. We landed in Visalia and my kids went to this great small private school in Visalia and we decided to stay in Visalia so my kids could go K through eight in the school, which sounds nuts, but that's what we did. And at this moment, this is like in the mid to late nineties. And in those days, the citrus business in California was doing poorly. And we made two or three really amazing buys. I mean, I'm kind of a deal junkie personality. So there was foreclosures going on and an American savings. We, that's all I did all day long was foreclose and sell assets. So we bought the first 600 acres and it started making lots of money. And I said, wow, this is a good business. And we started buying, we bought like two or 3,000 acres in the first four years. And, and then we built a packing house and a cold storage and a sales company and a farming company. And I've been doing it for 20 years. And that's my story. Wow. I love that story. 
I love that story. And there's no prescribed career path, is there? None whatsoever. You know, I mean, my career path was my, my dad was a mailman and we had dinner as a family every night. And that was one of my goals in life was to be a good father. And, you know, I'm a good father. I'm a good partner. I'm a good husband. I mean, that's kind of what my priorities are. I mean, I like to make money. I like to be good at what I do, but you know, I'm, you know, that's equally important to me, if not more important. I love it. So fast forward to today, you are in the Central Valley, you're investing in farmland. Whenever I hear about the Central Valley, I mean, a few things come to mind. Number one, it's in some sense, the bread basket or the fruit basket of America. Lurking right behind that is water. Whether the water came from the Colorado River or wherever it came from, water is such a huge issue and it's such a huge constraint in that area. How is that factored into your strategy of acquisition and development of those lands? It's an interesting thing in a way. We not being, I mean, I'm not a super analytical guy. I'm pretty analytical. I was paying attention to the water years ago when other people weren't, you know, being, I try to think about how do I build a net worth and how do I stay safe as I get older, you know? So we only have one ranch in the thousands of acres we have that's subject to no surface water from the, from the water district. So we've got issues on that one ranch. It's a pretty big ranch, but you know, we're going to only be able to farm about 60% of it. You know, when this Sigma program, you know, Sigma is a sustainable groundwater management act, which is a new law in California. So we've been pretty careful about this. That's going to affect a lot of people tremendously. I mean, production in California is going down no matter what, because they're going to restrict groundwater pumping in areas that are overdrafting, which is a lot of areas, huge areas, hundreds of thousands of acres, probably. So our whole pitch on what we're doing is simple. We're only going to hit four water districts around the Fresno Plain, we call it. And these water districts have got amazing rights to the water that come out of two reservoirs, Millerton and Pine Flat. They're huge, huge amounts of water. But so our target market is only those areas. On top of it, these areas are where in the prehistoric times, there was big rivers running through this whole area. And, and, and it went down, there's a huge lake in the South Valley called Tulare Lake back there, you know, way down, you know, closer to Bakersfield. Half the valley was underwater before they put these dams in, you know, 100 years, 1,000 years ago. So our target market is simple, and it's the best microclimate, the best soil conditions, and the best water conditions. So I'm not willing to take risks that, you know, 20 years from now, I'm going to get blown up by something, you know, by water. You know, we're only going to buy those areas. The vast majority of what I own is already in those areas. So we're very familiar with it. So that's our program. We're going to pay a little bit more. Our thesis is simple. As the rest of the valley dries out, these properties are going to double in value in the next 10 years. I can see that easily. We're only seeing 2 to 4% appreciation in the other stuff. So, you know, in the cash flow, if you have the right things planted, the best citrus varieties and the best grape varieties, we're, we're focused mainly on citrus, mandarins, lemons, cara cara, the, the things people want in the stores. We're looking at 15 to 20 IRR over 10 years between appreciation and cash flow. And that's pretty comfortable. You know, that's not trying to squeeze everything to make the numbers look good. That's kind of, we buy them for 35,000 an acre and they go to 85,000 an acre plus the cash flow. You, you get there pretty easy. That, that's the pitch. It's pretty simple. I love it. If we look at not just the Central Valley in California, we've seen agricultural output fall across America for the last several years after decades of growing agricultural output. 
And I have a theory, and we have not talked about this before this interview, but I'm curious to know what your thoughts. There's been about 27 million acres converted from growing food to growing corn for ethanol. And I think that's a contributor. Is what, what are your thoughts? You know, I mean, the ethanol thing's been boom and bust. I mean, you know, the subsidies were big. Everybody's doing it. Then the subsidies went away. My youngest son works for Bloomberg Energy in New York. He's a hydro- he covers hydrogen, but they cover everything. They think there's a lot of byproducts from ethanol that'll be very useful in renewable jet fuel. They're going to use every bit of that corn for ethanol moving forward as we transition to a cleaner economy in a way. So whatever is the hot commodity, people are replanting and putting it in, right? I mean, it does take away. You know, the Midwest is, is interesting on that because the last three years in the drought here, we, all the dairies and all the users were bringing in stuff there at high prices and pushing that market up higher because in a drought cycle, there's no feed being grown west of, you know, east or west of the Mississippi. I mean, right. it is, no, we just can't do it. We don't have the water to do it. I think that the Midwest has a bright future between just human consumption. They got to figure out how to sequester all the nasty stuff that comes out of the cows and all that. But And they're, they're working on that right now. They're actually trapping methane and using it for fuel and vehicles already. They're doing it a lot of places. In California, there's a lot of incentives, so it's big here. I think you're right. I think it's, it's going to be interesting to fight for land, what the uses really are, right? You know, what, what's, going to, what's going to shake out everywhere. We hear often about the large family offices, whether it's uh, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, and others investing heavily in farmland. Maybe it's just a place to park cash, but I think there might be an element to it beyond just parking cash in a safe place. I think there's wind potential in the ranches, the big ranches they're buying, or solar potential in the big ranches they're buying. There's just ranching income that comes on a lot of those ranches. Uh, I mean, it, there's, there's a multitude of things that could come out of it. And I, and I think it is a safe way, place to park. You, have, you know, those guys have big chunks of money. They're trying to park places. So you add that all together. I'm just a land guy now. You know what I mean? I started doing apartments, thought apartments were great. We, we have some apartments. And I mean, I just think land in general, in my, my psyche, I just, I like owning land. It keeps going up. It's safe. And, and we don't leverage stuff very much either. We've never, on these new deals we're doing, they're, kind of, they're not, we're not, we're not doing huge deals anyway. We're doing four to $6 million transactions, three or four a year, right? So, I mean, we're putting, you know, 50% equity maybe. On my portfolio, I've got 17% leverage because I just never levered it up. We just, I'm a big fan. I think people should have a certain percentage of land in their portfolios, if they can stand real assets. Some people just don't like them. They just want liquidity at 24 hours a day. But I think everybody should have some land, ag, whatever you want to call it in their portfolios. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the winery. (laughs) Another crazy story. My wife worked for Hal Barnett of Barnett Vineyards in Napa Valley. He's a, they've turned into be a great producer of Cabernet on Spring Mountain by St. Helena. Mm -hmm. He had a home building company. And my wife, before we got married, ran his marketing for all his home building companies. At the end of this American savings deal, you know, we, we did our deal. We liquidated everything. So I got a payout at that point, had some money, you know, extra money. And we were dating and we went, we were going to Sonoma for the weekend because we were based in Stockton and we stopped by this guy's place and I looked around and I'm like, wow, this is cool. We should do this. And we bought a property next day, literally before we were married, the property was like, had a view of the Valley and below it had a meadow. 
So I came up with this idea. So let's let's just get someone to plant some grapes in there because the vine, the, the rose will be very pleasing to the eye. And I'm kind of a symmetry freak. You know, I like symmetry. I like, you know, pretty picture. So anyway, we do this. We hired the right guy by chance and we did it. We put the root, right root stock, the right variety of Cabernet, the right clone. Three years later, it's on Howl Mountain, which has turned into a famous area for Cabernet, right? And the next three years later, we start producing it. Everybody wants to buy this stuff at, at record prices because everybody's on the Howl Mountain craze back, you know, in 90, 91. This is like 91, 92. So I say, oh, man, if they want it so bad, we should make it ourselves. And we've been doing it ever since. Wow. Wow. So it started out as just as a vineyard idea and then became a winery. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we, I mean, I like building things, too. So, of course, I sure. wanted to build a winery. And, you know, so I did. It's a small deal. I mean, we do 2,000 cases of premium wine a year. And, you know, it's pretty, pretty good. People like it. And it's, uh, we grow our own grapes, you know, we put TLC and everything. We like, we, we, you know, we're a little tiny winery, you know, most people our size don't even have a winery. And then we bought the bestie stemmer and then we bought optical sorting equipment. I mean, you know, we're doing it at a very high level, even though we're small enough, nobody even cares. And nobody even heard of us until you come and see us and get in our club. And I mean, it's a, you know, my wife and I've done this together since we've been married. We've never made a dime at it all these years because whatever we make, we buy new equipment or we, you know, try to replant or whatever. But, you know, we've got a really beautiful asset. It's worth, it's worth quite a bit of money now. If we ever, you know, when we die and maybe our kids will keep it or not keep it, we don't know what will happen, but we love doing it. And it's a, it's a, it's a fun deal. Well, George, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? They should just go to our website at BervantePharmCapital.com. And, and they can, they can read our thesis and they can, and I, I, one little, one little pitch I like to make to your theoretical investors that are out there. If you want to be an ag, we're a really, really good alternative for you because most people that are, are out there trying to do this don't own any ag. They don't farm anything. They never had a, they know they just raise money for guys that try to do what we do. We're a vertically integrated solution. Our costs are low. I'm on the ranches every week personally. I mean, it's a different deal if you want to make money and you want to be well taken care of because, you know, and we don't do a lot, you know, we're going to do four or five deals a year. It's not a big program, but for people that want to be with someone who cares about them and cares about their money first with somebody who's got super expertise and, you know, I've got a, I've got a higher sophistication level than most farmers just because of where I came from. And I just have learned over the years how to be a very good partner. Most farmers are bad partners because they just never done it before and they kind of don't see it as a fiduciary for others. So anyway, that's my pitch. And uh, I really appreciate your time and uh, you and meeting you. I love it. Love the perspective and love the story. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with George at BravantePharmCapital.com. The link will be in the show notes. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.